Rugby World Cup Podcast. G'day everyone, it's Tony Harper here, the editor of theraw.com.au and I'm here with uh, Christy Doran, the site's rugby editor. Glad to join you, Tony. And we've got another guest today, Julian Linden, the uh, News Corp's rugby writer on this uh, fantastic tour we're all on, uh, sharing a glass of rosé with us in St Etienne. So we are on game day for the Fiji match, the second match of the Wallabies World Cup campaign. And there's been a lot going on in terms of team selection. Uh, a bit of um, smoke and mirrors, I guess you say, around the selection or uh, of Will Skelton in the team, even though he hasn't really been training with the side or even at the captain's run uh, where he is expected to be as captain of that team. Christy, what's going on with this situation? It's a fantastic question. That, that Will, Will Skelton named Friday morning in the side as uh, people expected second row alongside Nick Frost, named as captain, and within about five minutes of the side being announced, released by the social media channels, et cetera, of the Wallabies, uh, the Wallabies media manager, Marty Cambridge, comes out and says, oh, guys, by the way, <laughs> Will Skelton's gone for some scans uh, just on his, his calf, should be okay. We're expecting him to play. But immediately alarm bells because we're told that Will Skelton won't be with Eddie Jones addressing the press gallery there, there was quite a good contingent of people. And my my belief ever since that moment has been that Will Skelton won't play, that he's got a significant calf injury. Even today, a captain's run, so that's a Saturday local time. Dan Palmer, the assistant coach, is saying that we're hoping he'll be all right. It's a minor calf injury. But my understanding is that he'll miss not just the game against Fiji on Sunday evening, but potentially a couple of games and, and and is very much in doubt for the next couple of weeks. Julian, what's your take on this? It seemed like a really weird situation with, you know, they sent up uh, probably four players yesterday who all towed the party line, basically read back the statement to us. You know, and then you walked out there today and, you know, it was kind of an odd situation out at the, the captain's run. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, yeah. The kind of obvious giveaway was when they had the team photograph that Will Skelton, if this is an official portrait they do before every test match, that uh, Will Skelton wasn't there. Not only wasn't he there, but his number five jersey was uh, being worn. Sorry, yeah, by Richie Arnold. Yeah, Richie yeah, Arnold, yeah. so he's five on it. Matt Phillip had 19 on, yeah. so they came in there. And when they sat down, Dave Parecki sitting next to... Uh, next sitting next to Eddie Jones as the captain. So yeah, well he was one side and Samuel Karevi was the other side, and there was speculation, wasn't there, in the lead up that it might be one of the uh, one or either, or, or indeed James Slipper, who yeah. of course was named co-captain alongside Michael Hooper before the rugby championship, played the first two tests before Angus Bell became the loose head starter, and, and consequently Slips no longer uh, was was the captain. Yeah, I asked um, Dan Palmer about this, the assistant coach at the press conference, saying was there an obligation that they had to put out a full 23 plus plus the coach for this photo? And he kind of fudged that a bit and said that it was about, you know, if if Will doesn't play, then Matt will play and he, he'd, he'd want to be in the photo. But I, I think you see that a bit differently, right, Jules? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, journos get to watch the first 15 minutes where not really much happens. They sort of kick a few balls around, do a few passes, and then and then they punt us out, and then they get on with what they're doing. What we do know is that the moment that we, we left, Pariki ran the session, okay? So they're just like 
I, I can understand why the Wallabies wouldn't want to be flagging it if Will Skelton, whatever his injury is, whether it's serious, whether it's... I mean, they did say the scan came back and it was a minor strain. So, you know, if you're taking him at their word, he's probably going to miss one match if it's more serious than that. But there's no reason for them to flag that with a big game against Wales next week. So I can understand why they're going to play Ducks and Drakes. But watching it, when a bloke doesn't turn up for something like that, you know something's wrong. And I just think about Dave Parecki. This possibly might be, and Dan Palmer confirmed that he would step in as captain. This is probably possibly going to be the only time he might get to captain Australia. That photo, right, that's going straight on the mantelpiece, okay? So if you're going to try to play mind games and mess around with whales and journos and everything, I don't think you'd go to such an elaborate hoax that you would have someone step in for a photo because that's bordering on being cruel. I, I think it's very clear that he's not going to play, uh, that Skelton's not going to play, and that Parecki's coming in. So they're hedging their bets because they don't want to give anything away, but he's not playing. The other factor that hasn't kind of been discussed over the last day or two is that earlier in the week, Daniela Tupo does his hamstring, pops it at training, goes down like a sniper uh, shooting at someone. And uh, the next day, that was a closed session on the Tuesday. The next day, the, the media is invited to watch the vision opportunity and Daniela Tupo isn't training. He's got his runners on, alarm bells, ask Marty Cambridge and the, the, the Wallabies media manager, and he says, oh, it's just training load, managing it. But, you know, it doesn't take very long, a couple of hours, in fact, before Jason Riles says he's actually got a hamstring complaint. So already there's a, a little porky there. A day later or so, Pierre-Henri Bronken, the Wallabies more coach, former halfback, former cast head coach, uh, then kind of says, no, he, he'll be okay just managing things. It's all very minor, yet he doesn't get named the day after they're from Taniela Tupo. So whatever people say, minor injuries aren't necessarily minor injuries for guys that are weighing 140 to 150 kilos that have to scrum and have a 1,000-odd kilos go through them from opposition force. And in addition, Will Skelton didn't – this didn't just happen on Friday morning when he was ruled out. People were being notified Thursday evening that there was an injury there. The initial fear was that he had torn something rather than a strain. And whilst people will say that these are all minor sort of things, it's it's clearly there to try to keep everyone on edge, not allow anyone to know the full extent of this injury. But one thing we do know is that Will Skelton wasn't at the Wallabies team captain's run today. He may have appeared after the journalists were all kicked out. But there was no side of him when they started their actual training session, really. But who is this aimed at? I mean, you know, we are sitting there. We've got our own eyes. We can see what's going on here. I mean, would Fiji, I mean, they'd know what's going on, right? They've got their own eyes as well. They could sum this up like it. What's the point of it? This is for Warren Gatlin. I don't think it's got anything to do with Fiji. Right. I think this is this is about the next game. So right. he's not playing. He's not playing in this game. So this is about... Just having, because that if, if Australia win this game, they're through. Playing Wales is going to decide who wins the group, who plays England, who plays Argentina. So if you have if you have Skelton out, the whole narrative this week is whether or not he's going to play. If you're Warren Gatland, that's going to affect your the way you prepare for this game. We all know how much analysis teams put in. So this little bit of smoke and mirrors is about the next game, not about this game. The Rugby World Cup on the Roar. 
Okay, guys, so we have um, Will Skelton. We're presuming he's out for this game. How does this impact the team and how they're going to play, along with the loss of uh, you know, Taniella? Well, I think initially the line-out actually improves because Will Skelton, I know he jumped once against Georgia, but traditionally isn't a jumping lock. So at the very least, the Wallabies should be better at, this, at the line-out. The malls are probably maybe an issue because Will Skelton, we saw his single-handedly the destruction he had against Georgia. That'll be an issue. I think probably actually more important is the absence of Tanya Tupo because if there's an Achilles heels still in Fijian rugby, traditionally it is up front at the set piece and destroying them. Now it's tipped the scales. The Wallabies will probably only get at best parity. And if they do that, that, at least they give themselves a fighter's chance. But it's that the two of them combined, that's 300 kilos. It's a lot of muscle, a lot of brute force, a couple of winners. Will Skelton's won everything in Europe. The absence of the captain, the leadership, put all that together, I think it's actually a huge, huge blow. But Matt Phillip will come onto the bench. He's an experienced operator. Nick Frost is back. Nick Frost is back. Uh, a lot of athleticism there, a lot more mobility. Agility. Uh, I, I still think the Wallabies can win this. They should win this. They haven't lost to Fiji since 1954, but it is a big one. Losing a captain can go one or two ways for teams, okay? Either everyone falls flat because they're, they're lacking leadership and they're lacking direction, or they raise their game and they make up for it. And I think just recently, different sport, but when the Matildas played England in that World Cup, Australia got Sam Kerr back and it kind of – had the opposite effect. They kind of looked too much towards her, okay, whereas England lost their striker and everyone raised their game because of the absence of their best player. And I actually think this is the impact that it'll, a positive effect it'll have on the Wallabies. I think other people around them will play better because Will Skelton's not there. And they're kind of used to it, right? Sixth captain in 2023 for the Wallabies. It's a, incredible. Well, the extraordinary thing is that Eddie Jones back... Uh, I think it was about the 1st of March during the Super Round appeared on ABC's Offsiders program and he kind of joked that he might need seven captains and that the idea of having one captain is redundant. It doesn't matter now. It doesn't happen because concussions, the trauma associated with the brain and all the injuries, and we see these Wallabies guys dropping like flies because they push them to the point of breaking and we've seen that for a couple of years now. The amount of injuries both under Dave Rooney and Eddie Jones, perhaps it goes to a larger issue of, the Wallabies players uh, not having the depth, not having the collective kind of nous regarding having one centralised system and, and so forth with that. But, yeah, it's, it's six captains, wow. And, Jules, he, he will have James Slipper standing beside him who has a lot of experience at this uh, as well, a lot of leadership. What, um, There's loads of guys in that yeah. team that have got leadership. I mean, Samu Karevi, who... I briefly thought he might have been the captain because before we got told that it was going to be Pariki, he was sitting on the other side mm. of Eddie, which is kind of like the mind games that they yeah. play. Well, we're all looking at going, oh, which yeah. one is it, right? Well, he was but, vice captain in 2019 under Michael Chick too. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's a guy who's kind of a, a natural leader in there. Um, so I think there's plenty. I don't think um, short term that it's that it will be a problem for us. I, I, think, I think the team will lift in his absence. Any other kind of major selection issues for you guys? Uh, ben Donaldson retains his place, obviously, after he was given the um, official man of the match award last week. Callaway is out again. But any other, you know, there's also, there's always going to be chat when Suli Bunavalu is for a, 
a Wallaby squad. I think we've just got to get used to that. But any, anything else stands out for you guys from that squad? Look, I think it was pretty predictable, really, because given that Tate McDermott was out, uh, we, we knew that there was going to be a half-back change. Nick White's got the experience and and he's got still one of the best passes in Australia. Uh, this is a moment for him to step up. I think it's actually his biggest game of his career, this one right against Fiji now, because there's still, uh, with Tate McDermott likely to come back, he's no guarantee to keep playing throughout this tournament. He was so close to being let go at the last second for Jake Gordon to come in, and that would have been shocked everyone. Uh, the Fijians was certainly, though, target uh, the combination of Carter Gordon at 10, Ben Donaldson at 15, and they were targeting them defensively more than anything. Joshua Tuasova will try to run straight at Carter Gordon like Jonathan Dante did for France three weeks ago. And when he does that, he will attract guys in and it will leave Ben Donaldson exposed. And when you've got a bloke like Semi Dradra out wide who just continually steamrolls over defenders... Donaldson, who goes down like a puff of wind, or with a puff of wind, that he could be exposed, and that's probably the big thing with Andrew Kellaway not being in that twenty-three, which just still surprises me. Jules, um, Christy spoke about how Australia should win, and he's given us an insight on what they might might attack, where they might attack Australia. What do you think of the Fijian, you know, chances in this, and how they might kind of aim up against the Wallabies? Yeah, I think we know how Fiji will play, which will be off the cuff. Okay, so they're a more disciplined team than they used to be in the past, but I think there were enough clues against Wales um, last weekend. So they're very direct in the first half and they played well. And actually, they started to play their best when they fell behind and threw caution of the wind. And I think that you'll see more of that. Just on the halfback situation, Mm. I would have preferred to see Nick White coming off the bench. I just... Um, I just think Isaac is a guy who suits the, the start of this game. So one thing that Eddie has changed since Dave is that we've started matches really um, much, much better. And I think against Fiji, it's really, really important that we just get in front early. I think Isaac would have offered a few more options in attack there. I just hope that Nick that um, if Nick is just not going to boot the ball back to Fiji all the time. I hate box kicks you full disclosure, but you can't do that against them, and that would just be suicidal. I think he's a very he's a very smart player and he, he would have been a closer. I, I would have flipped the halfbacks around there. Um, Fiji, the danger for them is set piece. I mean, they're not going to we, – historically, we wouldn't expect that they will match us in, in set piece. Um, so they need to play uh, counter-attacking football. Um, they need to keep us moving around. Um, but each and every way I see it, each and every way I see it, I see the Wallabies winning this game and I see them winning it fairly comfortably, not necessarily by in terms of the margin, but in terms of the play. So we only beat Georgia by, what was it, 20 points last week. Mm-hmm. But that game was, you know, all over Red Rover in 20 minutes. So, oh, the fast starts is a good thing to point and highlight. Uh, Wallabies have scored tries inside the first 10 minutes of games ever since Eddie Jones came back and that was something that they just never did again. Under Dave Rennie, any any reason why? What, well, what what is what are you thinking there? Well, I asked Nick White that question last week, and he said that's a good question. I don't know, and he said it's a really good observation. It's funny how that players. Do you want to give yourself another rep? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's funny how players don't actually know because we were asking James Slipper the very question about yeah. why you guys are having slow starts a year ago when mm. we were in Adelaide, and he said, "I don't know. If I did, I'd yeah. be a coach." And then you go, well, "Far out. What's going on here?" But but Nick White started it against South Africa, and I know that it wasn't a great game, but it was the first match of the year, and he, and, it, and the Wallabies still scored a try inside that first 10 minutes, and they came out fast. And if the Wallabies can lay the platform, 
White, with his pass, should be able to get the ball quicker to Carter Gordon because Tate's pass isn't nowhere, nowhere near as good as what, what White's is and indeed is Ryan Lonigan. So I, I think history suggests the Wallabies beat Fiji. And I know that that's something Julian is, is quite big on, but it's, oh, wow, I, I do think that this is going to come down to the last five minutes. Yeah, I, look, I just think I've seen Fiji promise so many times and, and not deliver. I mean, they're everybody's second favourite team. So, um, And they're under the gun already, having lost that first game. Yeah. Like they, they, they're, they lose and they're out. Well, they they should have won that game. They should have won that game. That was their game. That was and that, their but game. that point's exactly that what you're saying. Game. They yeah. should have won that so game. They just don't, for me, they're just a team that just don't deliver for lots of different reasons. You know, they're not playing. It's not an even playing field. So I just, I, I think they'll come out all guns blazing. And if we get on top of them early, I think think that they'll that we'll end up running away with that um again not necessarily the margin but i think we'll win the game comfortably rugby world cup on the raw as you know the raw rugby podcast and the rugby world cup special edition of the podcast is powered by asics the raw has in place a wonderful partnership with asics which is the official performance apparel and footwear supplier for the wallabies you can get their current World Cup playing jersey in store and online at asics.com.au now. Uh, Julian, it's so good to have you here. We go back quite a long way. Um, we do. And uh, I was just thinking James Slipper's about to come out in his fourth World Cup. Yep. How many World Cups are you uh, stepping out for this oh, time? Oh, geez, without giving away uh, my age here too much, <laughs> nine, there's been ten. So... Um, I missed the first one because I was still a uni student. and it was, I, in, it was in our backyard. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. And, of course, I mean, the, the longer it goes on, the more I'm kicking myself for not going. <laughs> I actually had a chance to go. We were, I was playing rugby for Canberra Uni and we were playing Crookwell on the day that France played the Wallabies, that famous semi-final. Yeah, yeah. And we thought about switching the game to the Friday and going up on a team bus and going anyway. But because we're students and we had no money, we just went, oh, we'll bugger it. We'll just kick off at like 9 o'clock in the morning. We're playing Crookwell. Right? We'll kick off then and then we'll go to the Crookwell pub and just get on it. And uh, so we did that instead. And, of course, it was just like an unforgettable game. And we're just like, mm. maybe <laughs> maybe in hindsight we should have gone to that one. So they kind of sowed the seeds for me wanting to go after that. And uh, in 1991, um, I went for the first time and just kind of um, not not that long out of uni, doing my first um, working on my first paper down the south coast, and just on a wing in a wing in a prayer, just bought a one way ticket to um, to England and uh, went over there for the World Cup and um, and loved it ever since. So um, yeah, been lucky enough to keep going on. Love Jules, Jules, I think you've skimmed over actually how you managed to buy that one way ticket. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, of course, you know. Um, do, do your do your um, do your listeners know that we don't get much coin in this game? <laughs> no, I'm sure they do. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, so I was working as a cadet down in. Oh, we're actually paying jewels in uh, rose. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Cut long story short, I, I didn't have any money, uh, but I read this story about how Gordon Bray had just uh, sort of decided when he was trying to break into the game that he needed. You know, you sometimes you got to took a chance. So I spent my week's wages on a horse, and. Uh, <laughs> Got up at 40 to 1, okay? Horse called Car Eden, I still remember it, one at Warwick Farm. Got up at 40 to 1 and uh, that was on the Saturday and I went into work, quit on the Monday, paid off my uh, Holden Tirana, the last little bit I had, bought a cheapest chips ticket to uh, to Pongolia 
and whatever it was, a few couple of months later, or I guess, I guess later, lucky the Star Casino didn't exist Star- at that stage. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, knowing you, you would have been straight from that forty to one straight to the blackjack tables. Right? <laughs> yeah, double or nothing, right? Yeah. So anyway, it was a sign. It was a, yeah, sign. a sign. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So and what a fantastic World Cup to go to. Like so, I mean, once you go to, I think when you go to any World Cup, you're hooked for life. Yeah, and you and I met actually outside a rugby game, not far from here or not far from where we were week ago didn't we uh 1993 i'm thinking um yep. and i went along as a fan to watch australia versus france and we went to a local pub that was obviously an australian bar because i remember kaysan being uh quite prominent i seem to remember it just played kaysan on loop all night and there was a guy at a table next to me tapping out some words on a Tandy twelve hundred or whatever it was, the old Tandy two hundred. Two hundred, yeah, yeah, the laptop Marvelous. equivalent of um, yeah. Eddie Jones's that that o twelve hundred, yeah. right? And yeah. I thought I know exactly what that guy does for a living, and we ended up working together from there. So uh, on to the next World Cup. That was a fun game. Off, off the top of my head, um, Wallabies had a record win that day. I reckon I think it was twenty four three. Maybe Marty Roebuck scored all or. Close to all of Australia's points. Well, so I'm no historian. He was a Mathis boy, so he went he's from my hometown. So I remember the yeah. anthem, the French national anthem, which uh, still stays with me. It just kind of got somewhere in there and rattled around and stayed. It's so such a magnificent um, piece of music where they're all singing it together. Yeah. But isn't France just a great place to watch rugby? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been a fabulous place. Christy, you've uh, you enjoying it here? You're enjoying the the journey of this World Cup? So good to be back at St Etienne one of the real destinations of France. But to be frankly honest, it's, it's great because even here, and it is a nice strip of bars and you go out and you do your work and you try to finish up at a reasonable hour. But unfortunately, the, the couple of the press conferences have been starting at 6pm at night, which Julian's not especially happy when I keep asking questions and it cuts into his drinking time at the night. <laughs> but it's not but, just me. Who's <laughs> but but you, you see other journalists from across the world and, and one of the great moments yesterday from the press conference with Eddie Jones at the, at the squad announcement was when Owen Slot from the Times, great writer, has had a bit of a running kind of history with, with Eddie over the last seven years when he was there. He popped up at Sydney at the Wallabies going away do in Tremoyne. And Owen was there for the uh, Women's Football World Cup. And I think Eddie was surprised that he was there. And then lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, he rocks up and St. Eddie and Eddie goes, mate, what are you doing? Are you following me? And and then he goes, oh, I didn't think you liked me. And Owen goes, I think we've got a perfectly good relationship. And and clearly they don't. But it, it's nice seeing other people from all around the world and the connections, the bonds you kind of get. And you can start to see, having me been here for a few weeks, Sinedian starting to realise that there's a lot more Aussies about. Um, Jules, how has the World Cup changed since 91 for you? Um, it's changed in a lot of ways. I guess the most obvious thing is that the scale and size of it. So, like, the first game I went to, or no, first Wallabies game I went to at the World Cup in 1991 was um, we played Argentina in Clenethley and uh, got a train down from London. I, I don't know what I don't know what the ground there is, Strutty Park at Clenethley. I don't know. It's a tiny little, tiny little park. Okay, right. And and if you think back of 87, I mentioned that uh, World Cup semi-final at Concord. Okay. Well last week we played we played Georgia in front of 80,000. Mm. Okay. Mm. So the scale of it has just gone through the roof. Um, it's fantastic. One thing I don't like about it though um, I don't like the length of the tournament. 51 days is ridiculous, okay? So you could play an Ashes series in that time and still have <laughs> and still have time for a stopover. 
but um, too long and I hate the rest days. So I reckon that World Rugby, so they're having three days off each week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The idea is for player welfare and, and you know, to give a bit more fairness to the smaller teams who tended to get thrown into these Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday games. But I reckon they've done a disservice to them because those, now we've got like three, four games on a Saturday and as much as I love footy, I'll struggle to watch four games back to back to back to back, right? But if on Tuesday night we've got, you know, Samoa versus Chile, I'm all over it. So um, so I think that's been um, um, the big changes. Like I t- to me, that it's a change around some of the minnows now and how professionally they take it, but possibly not even the minnows. I mean, when the World Cup started, it was an amateur game and the, the players... I think the players weren't as closeted. They didn't have such staff. They were allowed a bit more freedom, didn't, weren't they? Like a- oh, 91, 91 in Dublin. Um, so a friend of mine worked for the Australian Embassy, as she used to go to uni with, right? She worked for the Australian Embassy. Anyway, she brings this up and she goes, oh, can you guys um, rock up at these Irish TV studios? They need some people, um, some Aussies in the background. So anyway, we roll along, Okay. And we go into, it's effectively a bar, right? It's a bar inside a studio. And the Wallabies are on, the Wallabies was Kernsey and Campo and one other, I can't remember. Um, anyway, so they, midweek, they've been interviewed on, on this talk show in Dublin where the host walks around and serves everyone a pint of Guinness and they drink a pint of Guinness and they just do this Q&A. Now, in today's, <laughs> that's not happening today. Everything's very controlled. Everything's media, like to the minute, everything's happening. So... That bit, I think, I, I like that part of it. I like the amateur part of it yeah. in some way. Because in a way, know. that was rugby yeah. as well. Right? And I think you need to mix with the fans. I'll tell you who's really good at this, okay? This is one of the things you don't see about yeah. Eddie Jones, okay? So when we're at that captain's run today, now this is, you won't see this on, on Stan or whatever because Eddie wasn't doing this for the for the cameras, right? This is it's one of the really good things about Eddie. There's a whole bunch, there's a bunch of school kids, about 50 of them. I think they're from Southport School the on the Southport Gold Coast. School, yeah. yeah. So they're on a little tour. They're playing three games while they're over here. Anyway, they must have got an invitation and they came along to watch the Wallabies train. Eddie spots them out of the corner of his eye, unprompted, nothing in it for him. He goes over and walk, he chats to these kids for about 20 minutes, okay? So there's no selfies. He's not showing off or anything like that. But, like, those little moments, like, that's what gets the rugby fans for life, okay? And that's what Eddie is so good at. He knows that we need to invest in the future of the game and he knows that, that little five minutes or ten minutes he spent over there is going to keep those kids following rugby forever and a day. And that's the stuff I think he does really good. You wrote a really good piece um, in the Daily Telegraph or probably across all of News Corp, sorry, uh, Julian, about the characters in the game as well. And we've had a couple of excellent interviews this week, one with uh, Tom Hooper, which we uh, all came up with the idea that he was the Honey Badger 2.0. That was you that came up with that, Tony. Well, yes. I think you had the idea as well, but I blabbed it out at the press conference, thereby ruining your uh, Saturday piece, so apologies for that. But like, like the Honey Badger 2.0, followed by uh, Blake Shop, who uh, had a fantastic story about teaching in a school for disadvantaged youth. Um, there's a bit of a connection there with uh, the Shop family with you. Yeah, there is. But there is a, narr- there is a sort of a narrative, I see this a lot on social, that, People don't know who the current Wallabies are, but they're actually there's actually some really good backstories with a lot of these kids. Yeah, so my mate, I was at the Women's World Cup game with him, and we're talking about coming over here, and he said, "Oh, the only name I recognise in the Wallabies team is Hooper," and I said, uh, "Actually, it's not the Hooper you recognise." 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Tom was great. I mean, he was. I mean, he was a laugh a minute. So we get. We kind of. You know, one of the things as journalists, you do get a lot of people who are nervous talking to the press, and so they just go. They sort of they go really defensive, and it's all one game at a time sort of stuff. But mate, he was just like the wild colonial boy. He was just like ripping out one liners left, right, and center. And Shoppy's very much the same. So I have a bit of a soft spot for Shoppy because he played for Winuna Shamrocks, um, and his dad does. And I actually played with his old man. And he's over here, and there's actually about 10, 10 people have come over from the Shammies, right? It's a little club in the Illawarra, and, like, that's one of the beautiful things about the World Cup. Like, so they've all come over here on the trip of a lifetime. He was a late selection for the trip, like, having the time of their lives. Go and check out their Facebook photos. <laughs> it's not just those couple of guys. Like that, they are great characters, and we've bemoaned it for years, and, and it's so refreshing to have people talk. And I think even, like, perhaps you, you put it on, Tom Hooper, you said, mate, the line out struggled a little bit. What happened there? He didn't kind of back away from no, it. He totally no. goes, you know, I put my hand up. I didn't have my best moment. But spoken to Eddie, he trusts me, he backs me, and we know that we're going to get it right next time. And that's so refreshing for a player not to dodge something, not to just go into their shells and really just own it and go, you know what, you're right. But whatever, this is we're, we're humans. We make mistakes. But Nick Frost, another guy who yeah. who really talks well, and you could see that yesterday. He mm. and Angus Bell next to each other, and the two of them speaking really well. Alakai Fakedi, a great story around where he's come. A guy that didn't get a crack basically has to go to Bayon, comes back, he ends up now uh, back at the Waratahs. Daryl Gibson was the coach. He's going to come up against Daryl Gibson's Fijian team. There is stories out there. You just got to really embrace him. Look, I I wonder as well if this is a reflection on Eddie Jones because when Eddie was putting we're talk, first talking about putting his World Cup team together, it was about I'm going to pick these players. The last five are going to be the characters, the ones you take to a World Cup and they're, they're going to bring everyone up emotionally and they're going to be fun. Like you look at Hooper who wasn't really, I mean, he started under Jones. You look at Shoppy who he's, he's uh, so Jones has nicknamed him Costco, I believe, as well as a few other names because he's a big shop. But he seems like the exact kind of character that Eddie wants in his team. So so maybe there's a bit of, you know, they're obviously elite players, but Eddie's getting a, a core now of players around him who actually have that, you know, that attitude to go with being a decent player too. I'll tell you one thing I reckon is really noticeable. Okay, and I hope I'm not getting too sucked into all this, but the cool they look like a really they look like they're a, they're they're good mates. Team first, Julian. Yeah. Team first. I know, but yeah. I mean, every team says that, but they <laughs> yeah. genuinely do look like like they actually look like they're having a bit of fun, and like the, the, the they all sort of preach how much they believe in what they're doing and what Eddie's doing with them. So I mean, the proof will be in the pudding as we go further down the track. But I really do think there's some positive vibes in there. You can kind of tell when teams aren't aren't on. Okay, you can see, like, I go back to 95. Yeah, here we go, back the old fella again, right? Back to 95. <laughs> I remember when the Wallabies rocked up at the World Cup in 19, 1995 and they were playing South Africa in the first game, defending champions. And they got off and they all had the sunnies on. They were way too cool for school, right? And you just looked at them straight away and you went, that's not a United, it's not a United team. There's something, there's a problem with that team. They just don't look together. And sure enough, you know, they lose that opening game and then, and there were problems last year, last World Cup as well. Oh, they didn't, every, every you know, It was yeah. fractured because of the flat yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 And this team, early days, this, but this team looks united to me. They look like, as I say, they look like they're having fun together. The Rugby World Cup on the Roar. 
Jules, it's been so good to have you on. It's great. Like, um, you know, I've been a big fan of dinosaurs for a long time. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome to have you here. Yeah. Um, joining Chris. I know Christy's a big fan of your work as well. Well, this is the first time we've actually seen each other throughout the day. So I remember back in Tokyo <laughs> when we were by the um, drinking the park during the COVID kind of period. It was always about midnight. But you're right, Jules is a great lover of the game. It's it's interesting. We've seen some fascinating results so far. Like Uruguay pushed France on, on Thursday night. That was a cracking game. In the rain last night, New Zealand do it pretty easily, obviously, against Namibia. Big red card, I guess. Is yeah, big red card. Causing them grief. And that's going to continually be a talking point right yeah. throughout this, yep. this competition. You just hope that it's not going to affect this Fijian Australian game. Mm. Before we go, boys, oh, come a quick, quick, quick prediction. What's the score going to be, Harps? Yeah, I reckon it's going to be similar to, to last week. That was 35-15. I'm going to go for a back-to-back uh, coincidental 35-15. Yeah, so good, good um, system on roulette, right? You go for the number. Yeah. Just keep going till yeah. you win. Yeah, the, the chances are one in thirty-five, one in thirty-six, and magically it comes up at one in thirty-six. I'll go. Uh, I'll go twenty-eight, twelve. I think Fiji is going to have points in them. I think Australia will need points in them. Thirty points to, to twenty-seven. Oh, I'm saying Australia just. I hope you're right. That would be much be, more interesting. Be a good game. Yeah, going, I think it'd be a good game regardless, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So before we go, Wales were forced to make 270-odd tackles against Fiji. They only completed 245, I think it was, but mm-hmm. that's a lot. 600-odd running metres from the Fijians, huge amount. This game's going to be open, expansive. It's about who can defend the better. And this is a massive – this is Brett Hodgson. This is your moment. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw it 2015. Australia had to defend for their lives against Wales. Uh, they didn't in 2019. They got smoked against Wales, smoked against England. Defence was their, their kind of Achilles heel. It's now about showing it tomorrow. Guys, thanks so much for uh, being aboard again and thanks for listening to us on theraw.com.au. You can check out uh, stories from Christy and myself and you can go to uh, your News Corp masthead of choice to read Julian's take on this World Cup. It's always very worthwhile. And you know, he's, he asked the best questions at the press conference and there's Daylight Second and that comes out in his writing. Thanks for joining us, Jules. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Of course, uh, Brett and Harry will be back. I'm not sure who they'll have with them for their instant reaction after this game, possibly Jeff, who's been um, up in Lyon and will be down for the match. So look forward to that and then they'll have their regular pod during the week. We'll be back sometime when, it, when the mood strikes us. You know, we might get Jules back on again. Who knows? Tell you what, I'll see if I can get Shoppy's old man for you. How, how about that? Shoppy's old man would be fantastic. I mean, interestingly, there's, I think, eight Australian journos on tour and three of us have Wollongong uh, uh, roots, so it would be great to have another gong legend on on our show. Yeah, well, Mel- Mel- Melissa Woods from yeah. uh, AAP, who's a great journalist, uh, actually went to school with Shoppy's old man. Yeah, Bulleye High School. Yeah. You played footy with him? So. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play, yeah, we played in the grand final uh, together uh, a few years ago. Lost, um, but I never won a grand final. Played 36 years of footy and never won a grand final. Anyway, but, did you chuck um, the uh, losers' medal in the out. ocean so, from Ocean Park? So I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> see you guys. The roar.